So for this series, I, I wrote this down. I want to read through it. And um, God has continued throughout history to call upon humanity to bring restitution and resolve issues that separate us into our own little like-minded camps or groups. God doesn't want us segregated or any division to be among us, as Scripture says. But sadly, the trait we as Christians are most known for in the world in which we live, if you go out and, and poll the public and say, what is Christians or the church known for? The first word they always say, not everyone, but as a whole, is judgmental. Look at your neighbor right in the eyes real seriously and say, are you judging me? they're a Christian, if that person next to you is a Christian, then most likely they are judging you, according to the poll. Hopefully, that's not true here at the bridge. We try to make sure and not let that be the case here. But sadly and unfortunately, that is the case throughout America. We as a church... As a whole, I'm talking about the entire church, Jesus' entire body. We set barriers in people's way, and we allow our carnal minds to believe that they are unreachable. That we condition whether God can save someone or not according to our efforts or our ability to lower our standards and say, not my will, but yours be done. Have you ever heard somebody talk about somebody maybe that's addicted to drugs or something and they almost, as a church, we put them in a place and say, well, they're almost unreachable that I don't know if they're ever going to change. God forgive us. I say, God forgive us. And as I'm studying through and thinking about how to present what I want to get us to the point of understanding from Scripture, I was looking through and, and looking up some things, and there's a young man named Jared Wilson, and, and he wrote an article back in, I think it was in 2014, and in that article... He, uh, he said this, this is a quote from his article. When it comes to Christian identity, it seems that today Christians are more known for what they're against than what they're for. Christians are known more for what they're against than what they're for. I think he hit the nail on the head. That's been years ago, eight years ago or so. But this young leader, I think, was truly stating what he saw, what he had experienced, 
and the conclusion that he came to with the church world. But he went on to say in the article that the church and that Christians as a whole should be known for this. And he listed out eight different things that we should be known for, not what we're against. We should be known for our love, number one. So if you want to be known for anything, begin to love people unconditionally, laying our bias down and saying, I'm going to love you whether I agree with you or not. Number two, he wrote, grace should be what the Christians should be known for. Number three was purity. Number four is patience. Christians, is that what we're known for, is patience? How many has a hard time with that, especially on the highway? Right. Where we start driving down the road and somebody cuts you off or heaven forbid you drive in Ohio and everybody drives slow in the other lane. Amen. I do that every morning. Patience uh, runs thin, right? Patience is hard to exemplify in the midst of those things. It's weird how that works because when you're the one crowding everybody else, you think you're right. And then when you're going too slow and somebody's right up behind you, right on your bumper, you get mad about that too. So how is it? Are we always right and they're always wrong? Or that's a, Our patience runs thin. Or our patience putting up with ignorance. Maybe so there are some people in your house that try your patience. Um, it, it, yeah, there's some amens around here, and Leslie's was the loudest, but she don't know that she's wrong. I only live with one person. Yeah, it's... Poor Jake. Um, Zoe. Mindy. Number five, we should be known for our sacrifice. We should be known, number six, for our selflessness, according to Jared. Number seven, for our commitment. And number eight, for our respect. So these things that he listed out, I believe if we would exemplify them as Christians... And let them be our cause for being and existing. I don't know why he didn't go along with what Paul had listed as the fruits of the Spirit, but they are kindly aligned with it, but not exactly. But you can find those in Galatians that Paul lists out nine different fruits of the Spirit that a Christian should live out or should be fruits that others can partake of off of their life. This young man was on the right track, I believe, in letting us see that we need to be known what we're for more than what we're against. It's sad that we have so many opinions. And that we would rather hurt more than we would heal. Jesus wants us to clear our mindset today to think outside the box of our normal. 
So as I was thinking about this unreachable series, I had to go back, and it took me in my mind in the beginning of it to say, let's go to the book of Acts and look at a chapter and, and talk about some disagreements in the church. Has anybody ever been to a church where there's disagreements? Well, don't stay and hang around too long because you're going to find them pretty soon that somebody will have a disagreement. And we are individuals, and God created us as individuals, and sure we have opinions, and sure we have our perspective and our experiences that we've lived out in our life that causes us and forms us to think a certain way. And sometimes in our vices of that, that we're conditioned by our experiences, we come to God's Word and read it through a lens to make it say what I want it to say. And we've done this multiple times on our Wednesday night studies that God will point us how to look at a verse and not just make it what I want it to say and then place that upon other people, but causes us to see the whole chapter or the entire book of the Bible that we're reading in or the Bible as a whole. Because we can all have these little pet verses that we can go into our job sites with and, 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 and put a separation point between us and our, our friend that's our co-worker that's a Christian because they go to a church with a different name over top of the door. And we can box ourselves in all these little groups and say, well, I'm Methodist or I'm, I'm of the Christian church or I go to the Baptist or I go to the Pentecostal or I go to the Assemblies of God or I go to this or that. I'm a Catholic. Why is Jesus' body segregated and divided? Amen. We need to lay down those things and say, I'm tired of division, and I'm ready to live out this thing called love, grace, purity, patience, sacrifice, selflessness, commitment, and respect. And as I was thinking about that chapter that I wanted to read about a, a Original state where that there was a great controversy in the church and it, it was so bad and so divided and people were so hurt that they had to call for a special meeting. And when things get so bad in the church that you got to call for a special meeting and you got people going to hash it out and you got to sit down and agree together and you need to come to it with prayer and next thing you know everybody gets riled up and they go to study the scriptures and they got all these things and I'm glad we've never had one of these kind of meetings here at the bridge, thank God. Amen. But I've heard of churches, and I've heard my father-in-law, Ernie, talk about one time that at the church where Leslie grew up that people got so conditioned, and, and they come in, and they was armed with, with the scriptures to point out how their neighbor was wrong and their people in their own church was wrong. And they stood up in the middle of a business meeting screaming at each other and walked out mad. It's not the way it's supposed to be. What does that say to our community if that's how we exist? I want to be Jesus' example to show people the way to the one who can set us free from our humanity. Then he can make us better than we ever thought we could be. I loved your post last night, Joe Don, about, you know, that 
as you were saying in your post, how that you're striving for and leaning for and trying hard to live your best life according to what he has asked you to do. Let that be all of our goal. That when we think others are unreachable, let's make sure that we ourselves are not unreachable. Will you open your ears to hear what God is saying to you today? I may have already said some things that hurt your feelings. I'm sorry. But I want us to go read, as I was thinking about the chapter, it's a, a chapter later on, so it backed me up, and I wanted to contextualize the whole thing, and I thought, well, if that's what this whole message series is about, that one chapter, and, and then it backed up, and I started reading all the way through Acts, and, and I come across this one. Acts chapter 8 is where I want us to go today. Acts chapter 8. I'm going to read this to you. If you've never read the book of Acts, please do so during this series for the next three weeks. Just read through the book of Acts. Start at chapter 1 and just read all the way through them. It's, it's not a whole lot of reading. You can read this multiple times throughout the next three weeks. Make it your priority. But Acts chapter 8, it says, Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they are all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. For simply believing in Jesus was against the law, according to Paul, or Saul at the time. And he would put you in prison for simply believing in Jesus. Now, we live in a land of the freedom of religion, and I'm thankful for that. But there are people all throughout the earth today that they don't have that privilege. In China, there's house churches, and there's things where that people are underground. And I've heard missionaries tell stories that whenever they went there with their Bible, that the people cherished the Bible so much that there was no Bibles. And they divided out pages. So as a Christian, the only Bible you would ever have in your life would be one page of this book that they would rip out and hand to individuals so that they could have some portions of the Word of God. How thankful should we be living here today in this nation of freedom that we are in, that we've got Bibles sitting on every corner. They're laying up here all around. The youth group's got them in that room. I've, I've got shelves full of them at home. And there's Christians throughout the world that don't have one Bible. If that doesn't trouble us, if that doesn't bother us, then our priorities are messed up. Paul was putting people in prison for believing in Jesus. That's still happening today. Verse 4, therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. So as Paul began to put people in a place and he began to put people in prison, it scared some people, thought, I, didn't want to go, I don't want to go to prison, I don't want to be bound, and I don't want to be tortured, and I don't want to be ridiculed, I don't want to be all this. So they took off and fled. And sometimes in our fear, Jesus will still use us in the midst of our fear. Does anybody suffer with fear? Afraid of what ifs? Bible, there, there's no other quoted verse, section of words in the Bible than this. Fear not. 
The Bible says that more than anything else. Fear not. Fear not. Be not dismayed. You know, there's all kinds of places in Scripture. Fear not. But we as humans are pretty much scaredy cats. You all go to all the haunted houses you want. You go let people run you around with a chainsaw all you want. I'm going to be sitting comfortably in my recliner. I'm not doing it. You can have all you want. I'm a scaredy cat. I'm a self-proclaimed scaredy cat, and I'm okay with that, especially during this season. And some of those little hoodlums that you dress up, they're pretty scary too, and I don't like them much when they're dressed like that. But do whatever you wish. But these people were afraid, and they were scattered everywhere, but they were still preaching the word. So they were so impacted in their spiritual life by Jesus setting them free that even in their fear, in their running scared for their life, they still spoke about his name. How many times a week do you proclaim the name of Jesus to the people you come in contact with? How much has he impacted your life? How much has he set you free? These people continue to preach the word. Verse 5 talks about a person that I love in this entire story here. It said, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. How many would like to see miracles? How many is in need of a miracle? We still serve a miracle-working God. There are some churches that will say that that ended with the last apostle, but I don't see that anywhere in here. Read the Bible and see where it says that God quit wanting to perform miracles for humans. It doesn't say that anywhere. So according to the Bible, God is still in the miracle-working business. So if you need a miracle, he's the miracle worker. So as Philip went and preached Christ to them, and the multitudes, one accord, he did the thing spoken to Philip, hearing the word and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed. There is spiritual possession. Not everybody that acts like the devil is possessed by the devil. But there is a, such a thing as spiritual possession. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So simply by Philip preaching Jesus and Christ to these people, the Spirit of God came with him and alongside him and was a wind at his back, and people began to be set free, not only from spiritual ailments, but physical ailments. How many believes in healing? I serve a God that heals. He heals us of our diseases, according to Psalms 103. All of our diseases, Psalms 103.3 says, all of our diseases. So your affliction, God knows well enough, and he is the healer. Verse 8 is the verse that I love. And there was great joy in that city. So when Christ's name began to be spoken in Samaria, when people with unclean spirits were set free from those things, and when people that were lame and paralyzed and sick and afflicted were healed, great joy came to the city. I don't know about you, but Philip could have went there and said, 
I'm running from fear for my life. I'm sick and tired of that bunch of Pharisees in Jerusalem. And I'm just going to go over to Samaria and live out the latter days of my life and just be me. But he didn't do that. So when you take Jesus with you, one thing that you'll need to know and recognize and see is there's going to be joy come up in that house when Jesus walks in. Amen? The world is a sad place that we're living in today. If there's anything that our world needs right now, it's some joy. We're so mad, we're so bitter, we're so angry. And it's even impacting the church, and it's time for us to be set free. Great joy in the city. I love that. Great joy in the city. How many would like to see great joy in your city? How many would like to see great joy in your house? How many would like to see great joy at your workplace? It's amazing how we get close to people that were near too many hours in a day's time. And usually our workplaces is somewhere that we're around somebody more than we're around our own people at home and have a hard enough time getting along with Leslie, but, you know, go to work and around somebody eight, ten hours a day, it, it'll wear on you. You start to see their imperfections. Come on, somebody, we're judgmental, right? That's who we are. So you're just there and you're like, well, I don't know about that, but Sally, you're really wrong. I hate to bring it up every week, but I continue to do it, you know, what, whatever. That's not going to bring any joy. Let them be who they are. Quit trying to change everybody. And hopefully the more seasoned we become, that's the term I want to use, seasoned, the more we allow people and God to work in his own ways, in their own hearts, and do what he wants to do in their life the way he sees fit. It's not my job to fix everybody. And too many of us want to walk around, according to Jesus, with a plank out of our own eye and worry about the moat in our brother and sister's eye. Come on now. I got enough going on. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, Pastor Ben's preaching truth today. I got a tube four hanging out to my head. Amen. I got enough going on. There's some issues inside of here that Jesus is still working on. But Jesus did say to take and work on your own problem and get that tube four out of your eye so that you can help your brother or sister with the moat in their eye. So basically, I guess the best way to put it is they're eye boogers. In case she's wondering what that was, that's, you know, that's interpreting the King James for you. The moat is their eye boogers. You know, you wake up with them, you're like, uh. okay, now we got that straight. And there was great joy in the city. Everybody repeat that with me. And there was great joy in the city. Come on, let's say it again. And there was great joy in the city. Bubba, Mary called him out. He's thankful. He's so happy that Mary called him out. 
it was beautiful yesterday. I got Bubba's truck, and uh, I was going to move it, and I about wrecked it, Bubba. I'm sorry, but uh, Travis was with me. He saw it all, but um, there wouldn't have been great joy in that city if Bubba would come home and his truck was tore up, would he? But um, I, I was... I was happy because I got in and, and Christian music was blaring so loud that I had to turn it down because Bubba had the Christian station on when I got this truck. And it, it just brought joy to my heart because I know Bubba's listening to Christian music. And it tickled me to death because I remember when my Aunt Mary was praying for Bubba to come to Jesus. And they was almost ready to separate. And Mary, I remember going down to her. She rented a house and her and Bubba was fighting. And, She's praying for Bubba. <laughs> and next thing you know, Bubba come into the church house. And God changed him from the inside out. And he reconciled all that. And Mary and Bubba sitting here with us today together because God saw fit. Amen. That's joy in the city. Brings joy to my home and my heart when I hear Bubba. And just thought, man, he's listening to Christian music. It just tickled me to death. That's your pastor, Bubba. I love you. And you don't have to say it if you don't want to. <laughs> there's great joy in the city man I wish I could just get that through to you that, that there's great joy in the city that the unreachable people that a lot of Christians had said those Samaritans leave them alone and Jesus even went there one time and sat on a well and a woman come we know the story in the gospels right where that Jesus is sitting there and the woman come up she had all these husbands and had all these ex-husbands and had all this stuff going on and everybody in society would have probably judged her and said no you're never reachable and God can't reach you and God can't touch you and God can't heal you and God can't make everything new again this is the city that Philip walked into and preached Christ to. There had already been a revival there preceding that Jesus had met the city. And it says that woman walked away and she went back to that city and she preached Jesus to him and said, I met a man it's sitting over there at the well where I go get my water. And I had no idea what I was going to touch that day. But Jesus come in my heart and he changed me. And I'm telling you, I met the Messiah. He's here. Philip went back to that city preaching Christ. Miracles happening. Healings happening. And when those things happen, joy comes to the city. How many thinks the devil just like, oh man, I was really hoping to hold on to Samaria. I, you know, I kind of like that place. and It's that divided place because they're kind of mixed up a little bit, and they're a little bit Jew, and they're a little bit Gentile, and they're a little bit just all this and that, and they're just, you know, I, I was kind of hoping to hold on to them. Yeah, he's kind of a sissy. He's kind of a sissy. So I, I, I just can't imagine him just being like, oh, man, Jesus, you can't have that city too. Come on, man. There was great joy in the city. People need to get happiness in their feet. Amen. Amen. There needs to be joy in the church. If we're going to affect our city, let's get happy. Let's be happy that Jesus has set us free from our sins. And he makes us free indeed. Joy, not just regular joy, but great joy. If I say that enough, maybe you'll walk out of this room and somebody says, well, what pastor preached about this weekend? Well, he's talking about them unreachable people and you know, he's talking about all you fuddy-duddies and everything's sad and 
bitter and all them things, but I got so much joy. <laughs> They're looking back thinking, mm-hmm. How long is that going to last? How many's ever had joy? Amen. The Bible says joy unspeakable and full of glory. That, that, I, so much happiness within, internal, because of what Jesus did, that it's unspeakable. I, I can't even describe what it's like coming to an altar and praying for Jesus to forgive me from every sin I'd ever committed Every sin I'm currently committing and every sin that I'm going to commit and him forgiving me of those things. The joy of that weight lifting off our shoulders is unspeakable. I can't even describe to you. If you've never had that or never known that or never experienced that, I encourage you today. You will know nothing better ever in your life than Jesus setting you free. And there's a joy that comes with that. But when there's joy comes, I'm sure the enemy... Oh, man. I was hoping to hang on to Ben. Come on, Jesus. Just let, let me have him. Kind of like he did Job that time. Just, just let me buffet him. Just let me try him. Just, just let me take everything from him. Then he won't serve you. Come on, somebody. When you come to Jesus and he sets you free and then troubles hit you, the devil's trying to come at you and say, how about it now, bro? What are you going to do? Kind of like Job said in his story in the Bible, the book of Job. I like it because it's spelled like Job. And a lot of people don't even know how to say it, and they'll say Job, the book of Job. God wants you to get a job. Amen. Job said it this way. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Even if I think God is the one punishing me, even if I think he's the one taking everything from me, God didn't take anything from Job. The enemy did. But sometimes in the midst of your storm, did you feel like you're so unreachable by God that you're in such a place of darkness and despair that it seems like that God himself is taking everything from you? God is the giver of life. Amen. He's the one that gives gifts to men. But in the midst of those storms, it's in despair, it seems like God himself is doing it. And Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. How far will you trust God? How much faith do you have in him today? Because there was no joy when Job was facing trials. Philip, the evangelist in this city, I love it, preaching Christ. Miracles happening. People so happy and joy erupting in the city. And I've got a book in here that I was looking through a moment ago before service about missionaries in the early days of the Assemblies of God when missionaries, and we watched a video a few weeks ago in Leslie's book study about how the original missionaries back in the early days, in the early 1900s, they would build themselves a coffin, put all their material goods in it, and ship it to the ground where they was going because they knew they was not coming home. They built their own coffin to go be a missionary. The name of the book Leslie was doing was All In. We need to get all in with Christ and all in with Jesus. 
that I'm going to sell it all out, that nothing in this world can possess or, or entice me to doubt God. But Philip, in the midst of this revival, in the midst of this great assembly of the saints, and it's a beautiful thing sitting here today and looking around and seeing a diverse crowd here. There's some happy people in the crowd. There's some grouchy people in the crowd. I ain't looking around. But there is some joy in the crowd. Verse 9. So if you have your Bibles open, Acts chapter 8, verse 9. The first word in that verse. So verse 8 is this. And there was great joy in the city. Everybody say it with me. And there was great joy in the city. Smile real big. Even you, Chuck. You can smile too. Poke him, daughter. Get him, get him. There was great joy in the city. So look at your neighbor and say it with a smile on your face. Everybody, look, look at your neighbor, both sides of you. If or look at the wall if you have to look at the wall if you're on the outside row. Verse 9, first word, what do you think it is? But. But. There was great joy in the city. And when you go back to the original text, the way the Bible was written, it wasn't written in a way or formatted in a way where that it had verses or it, it wasn't written that way. It was just from beginning to end. <laughs> So when we see verse 9, we separate it and say, well, there's a, you know, there's a difference between that verse and that verse. No, there's not. It was written in a format just like a letter. There was no number there. They put that in there later so that we can quote and understand and think about it in that way. And there was great joy in the city, but. Did your butt ever get in the way? Did your butt ever get in the way of your joy? God tried to teach me a lesson. But, God trying to make me happy today, but, got out of bed this morning looking forward to coming to church, but, the but is what will always try to turn around your joy. Get your butt out of the way. Amen. Get your butt out of the way. Because there's all kinds of buts in Scripture that always try to stop the joy from happening. Because the devil don't want you to be walking in a life of destiny. He wants you to be unreachable. He wants to put so much separation between you and God and cloud your mind with all kinds of wickedness and evil and envy and strife and bitterness and all these deceptive things that he tries to put on you, a bunch of butts he's putting in your mind to separate you from God. But God. God's got a but too. And when he gets involved, it's going to change everything. So today, let's determine and resolve within ourselves that we're going to lay down our differences. And we're not going to say that people's unreachable. And you may be sitting beside your neighbor. You may be sitting beside of somebody that you don't like very much. 
He might be different. Anybody have any differences, of, you know, with somebody? Anybody got any pet peeves? Yeah, yeah. Let's lay all those down. And say, God, reach me so I can reach others. I want to be like Philip. When I come into the city, it turns everything around. And if that city's your home, and maybe you come to church today, and, and you're going to go back into a home where the there's strife and there's division and there's anger and there's malice and there's all these things and a hostile place and you're sick of walking back into that normal walk back in like Philip and let the God of miracles be with you as you go I want to pray over us today that God would change our minds First off, that we ourselves are not unreachable. But he can absolutely reach us right where we're at. And that we would stop saying that others aren't reachable either. So if you bow your head and close your eyes. If you're just... Reflect upon your own heart and your own state of existence, this moment in time and this portion of your life. And I'm sure that there's people here this morning, some of us walked into this place and just are in a good place. We're in a good portion of our life and we're so happy with how things are turning out and joy is in your heart but there's others that's walked into this place this morning you walked in and you're in a place of despair and it's seems like the enemy is kicking you in the teeth day after day after day seems like there's so much hurt and so much envy and so much pain you're just tired of suffering you said pastor you said that Jesus could come and heal That he could heal the spiritual. That he could heal the physical. And if you're sitting in this place today and you have a need in your body and you've got pain and you're praying about something, you're in the right place today. Our God is a miracle working God. He can heal you in an instant. You can walk out those doors set free. Spiritually, mentally, physically with a joy unspeakable and full of glory and Christ coming out of your mouth. Everybody just pray this very simple prayer. Just simply ask in your heart, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today through this message? Not everybody is in the same place. Not everybody's on the same path. Holy Spirit, speak to your people.
and challenge them to be who you've called them to be. That they would be reachers. That they would reach for God. He would reach for them. And that they would reach others. I pray this in Jesus' name.